0: I don't just believe there's an afterlife. I know there is. I I know.
1: And that's important.
0: Is mine going to be good?
1: (laughs) Oh, (laughs) yes. Welcome to the Lifelines podcast brought to you by the Brooklyn Writers Project. I'm Marina Aris. And I'm Diane Fenner. And we're your hosts. This is the podcast for
2: book creators, book lovers, and literary ambassadors. Join us each week as we explore the writing life, the art, and the business of creating great books.
1: Here we are. We're still on day one of BookCon. We are with author Sherry Masonov, the author of The Girl Who Could Read Hearts. And we are going to have a uh, short discussion with her to talk a little bit about the book and some other books that she has written, as well as what she has planned for the year ahead, and some more about all things literary. So tune in.
2: We're ready to go. Sherry,
1: thank you so much for being with us today.
2: Thank you, Marina. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited about having this conversation because from what I understand about Sherry, she's done some amazing things, so I just want to jump right into it. Sherry, can you tell us a little about the book? Yes,
1: Actually, uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, uh, yes, Diane,
0: thank you. And as I am said, I'm so happy to be here with you, too and the book is really about a family and the power of intuition it features a six-year-old girl who does not understand her gifts Um, but it's not a children's book it's an adult to young adult Uh, it's fiction though it's based upon
2: many of my real life experiences i know um i was excited i mean i know you've been interviewed by katie kirk and all kinds of uh, national Press has been um, at your door and I'm kind of scared that you're reading my mind right now or something. <laughs> well, what's next, Sherry? Uh, what is she going to think
0: uh, of next now? Okay. Well, let's see. Remember, the title is The Girl Could Read Hearts, not Minds. Okay, but. okay,
1: that's true. Well,
2: that's tell true. us about the part that it's based on, the actual um, lived experiences. Well, when I was a child, I was an intuitive child.
0: And I think I was often misunderstood, and I didn't understand uh, what that really meant. And so her struggles with that, um, you know, are exposed in the book and come to life. And also though, um, a lot of the book is about death and the afterlife, and it's based upon my real life experiences with family members that have passed on. And my experiences of them from the other side so when you're saying
1: what you're you're saying when you use the word intuition Mm -hmm. sounds like it's a bit more than intuition right because it sounds like there's another level here that we're talking about it's
0: a little bit stronger perhaps possibly possibly I think everyone has intuition and if it's listened to you begin to develop it you can have the most incredible talent and gift in the world and if it's not used it's like a muscle right that just goes you know lax. and so um, I had many occasions in my life to use my intuition and I think it did develop to a second level okay great. I
2: find that actually I remember when uh, my children were very young um, feeling um, that I could understand things. um, And I have a sense that many of us squash our intuitive glimpses because we are told not to believe in them and uh, that there are probably many people out there who have gifts and have no idea that they have them. And we all kind of go along thinking that, well, I shouldn't say this or I shouldn't believe that. And we all might do well to pay attention when every once in a while we feel some knowledge does that resonate with you at all? Absolutely. I love the way you said that. Yes. Yeah. I think you really get it. I, do, I think there are times when I get like a feeling and I tell myself well that's ridiculous that I should pay much more attention. Um, so what are some actual stories that you could tell? Without ruining the book. <laughs>
0: without
1: ruining <laughs> without, the book.
0: Without you yeah. Well, letting us enjoy the book. Well let me say this. The, the the book came to me in a dream of a deceased sister. And she was in the dream. She was very alive, very real. And I was one of her caregivers when she was ill. So the dream meant a lot to me. Was she older or younger? Older, older, okay. older and um, an incredible person. And she was just so vibrant and alive. And I knew that it was clearly a message from the other side that her she was very alive and well and for the rest of the night though I felt like my head was in a I was in a clothes dryer drum with a dictionary where where the pages and words were falling out and it was just tumbling in my head you think of clothes dryer tumbling and the words just tumbled through my head for the rest of the night and the next morning um, I staggered to my computer with my coffee cup in hand and Was actually had a contract for my second nonfiction book Mm. and had a high powered agent, but the work had become very lackluster Mm. and somehow. Why did it work? It was tedious. It was tedious. Um, It also, my first book was Casual Power How to Power Up Your Nonverbal Communication and Dress Down for Success. And I was a part of the corporate world and the Professional dress and nonverbal communication, and the second book, um, nonfiction book, was also kind of in that that genre. And I just, I think, uh, was beginning to feel that it was very tedious. The writing was tedious. It wasn't inspiring me. It was nonfiction, right? Nonfiction. So a little different. Nonfiction. Were you? Sure. Sure. And um, after this dream that morning, I wasn't it was like I really somehow another part of me came alive and I suddenly I saw myself hitting new file that's so great opening up a new file and the words just begin pouring onto the page
2: do you okay. think she was hoping to unleash that power in you to unlock something in you absolutely yes I know I've actually heard um I'm maybe the oldest person at the table I don't know but I, I know a lot of people who have lost close uh family members or close friends and i've heard surprisingly often of people who after a death have had an experience at night either just before falling asleep or in a dream where the deceased comes to them and i think what happens with a lot of us is that we just put it away and we never talk about it or we never um, remember it you You, you look like you've been spooked you do i am
1: because um this this last year, just last year, my third foster mother, who I left at 16, I didn't like very much, she, I did find out she passed away through Facebook. And, I, and, and it was really odd that I even bothered looking. I, I'm writing a memoir, so for some reason I was looking for information. And I looked for information just when she had died. And then when I looked at the date of when she had died, that night, I didn't dream of it, but I woke up. I kind of jumped in the middle of the night. Like you know, sometimes you get that startled startled reflex while you're sleeping. And I was, and the next day I was like, why did that happen? And, and I thought that that's. And I thought for a moment, my intuition for a moment said, hey, how about if they were connected? And then your rational mind says, no way. Right? So I
2: want to ask Sherry a question about this. Mm-hmm. You've gotten an immediate response. You've touched a uh, connection. Mm-hmm with Marina and me. How often, however, does the opposite occur? How often do you find yourself talking to someone who says, oh, what a bunch of rubbish. You know what I mean? Yes. yes. Is that And what do you feel when that sort of thing happens? What's that like? Well, my heart sinks a little, but
0: I'm actually accustomed to it and understand that some people are purely logic driven and if it doesn't make sense to their rational mind, they really are not interested. They're just not interested. Right? And they but, uh, shut their
1: mind down, sure. Mm-hmm. But on the other side of that, you have it sounds like thousands of readers who love your book and yes. who are resonating with the book yes. and are how, how
0: has that feedback been for you? Well, I, of course, I love that. Yeah, yeah. Was it what I you expected? Um, or better, maybe. <laughs> better, I think. Tell her about today. Better. Um, well, Can you tell me about her, today? For example, there was a woman today here at BookCon that um, got the book and she walked around just pressing it to her heart. Um, she just, like, oh, I just. I love, she hasn't even read it yet, and she was so enthralled with the book cover and the concept, and she just, with tears in her eyes, just carried around pressing it to her heart. And then she brought two people back to the booth, and she still was pressing it to her heart. I think you
2: are Mm -hmm. unlocking something that we are all walking around being uh, constrained by, and that's our, you know... Insistence that we be logic driven, and our fear of even talking about these things. And I think that when you uh, handed that book to that woman, she might have felt a sense of freedom.
1: Perhaps um, that's you. Really get this, Diane. Ooh, oh, you're no. a, you, you, but you put the two of
2: you together are inspiring mm-hmm. me. This is wonderful. <laughs> All <laughs> All right. where it's so noisy in the background. I just have to explain. BookCon is a really exciting place. Um, And we're sitting in the middle of BookCon at the Javits Center in New York, and there are huge posters of books being given away and authors walking around. So, um, it's been exciting. Um, I know, Sherry, that you had um, a signing. What was that like? It was fabulous. We had a line of people lined
0: up um, to to get the book and have it signed and had some wonderful interactions with the people anything that
1: surprised you did anyone say anything that surprised you today
0: well I think the woman that was holding oh, it Oh yeah to that touched me and it really surprised me though a lot of people I can tell by their eyes they're very excited right about it like can sort of right. somewhat gauge their real interest and their enthusiasm uh, but that was on a different level
1: yeah um, and I think what that reminds us is that a book is a very powerful thing i mean it 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 really does and that's why print is not going away because that tactile experience of what you know holding a book in your hands or close to your chest okay that is just priceless and i think we all love that i mean real book lovers still love that so i'm happy to hear that story
2: was it difficult for you to jump into this as a career i mean uh i imagine that you don't just sort of um decide that you're going to be a best-selling writer overnight. You, you must have gone through quite a few stages in your journey. Absolutely, I did, Diane. And it took
0: me, I would say, um, it took some courage to <laughs> to switch genres and to write about a subject uh, of intuition. And, I mean, I was a, a corporate consultant and a motivational speaker, and I still do quite a bit of that and I still love that part uh, but this part this this the fiction writing is my heart and soul now that's lovely mm-hmm. so you
1: don't miss it was so the corporate world you're no longer really as engaged in
2: it is that no, the, no you're not just anywhere near okay.
0: what I was yes
2: mm-hmm. Very good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering do you feel like uh, writing nonfiction about intuition ever could you maybe tell some interesting stories about intuitive experiences that people have actually told you about or that you've actually had? And and if so, what is it that makes you prefer nonfiction?
0: Or fiction. I'm sorry, fiction, fiction over the nonfiction.
2: Right. Because, you know, it's um clear that there's a campaign to be mounted here to bring some attention to a subject that isn't often treated as respectfully as it might be, so Maybe uh, anybody suggested to you that you you lead the charge. I don't know. You're the first. (laughs) Good (laughs) job, (laughs) Diane. There we go. Yes, you're the first. More work for you, Sherry. Yes, that's right. Keep writing. And I
0: could write, I really could write a a nonfiction book on intuition. But what I found is that story is a powerful tool of transformation. And we think of the power of myth that Joseph Campbell wrote. And he talks about this the power of story. And I find that people relate to characters. And I mean, some characters, of course, more than others. So right now, I'll just say I'm enthralled with um, writing fiction, writing about intuition and, and fiction. Do
1: you have yeah. another story planned?
0: Another fiction yes, I'm okay, working great. on a sequel to The Girl Who Could Read Hearts. I've had Wonderful. so many readers say, please, can Another you give one? us a sequel? So <laughs> that's, a, that's
1: a writer's dream. You're yes, it dream. Is. It is, yes. That's mm-hmm. fabulous. Well, don't worry. I mean, there is a nonfiction book. It's so, But, you know, yours would be a great addition for this reason only. I read it. It was uh, titled The Gift of Fear.
0: Mm.
1: Very good book. Yes. Um, did, did you read I've it I've read it.
0: Yes, I've read it.
1: So that made my spine tingle. Oh yes. Talk about stories. <laughs> yes. And but I appreciated it because of what Diane said, because it was an examination of that intuition or that gut feeling, that other sense that yes. we often ignore. Yes. So it would be interesting for me as a reader to read a nonfiction book mm-hmm. about the sixth sense that maybe not so attached to fear and a negative you know, perspective. Something a little bit more light or yes. not yes. to make it, you know, mm-hmm. flippant or anything, but just a different. I mean we can use it in different aspects of our lives, right? Yes. Not just yes. when we're in trouble.
0: Right. Yes, because that book I read that book and it's excellent. But mm-hmm. it is very fear driven <laughs> and, and I if you not for a if while. If you weren't scared before you read it you would be afterwards. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> No, I hear what you're saying, and I think there's a lot to be said about intuition that that is lighter. And maybe it's just that, you know, at the grocery store, oh, I should get this. And you think you Mm -hmm. talk yourself out of it, and you get home, and, you know, you really needed that, and you didn't get it.
1: Or maybe in human connection something about, you know, when we're concerned about relationship and where mm-hmm. it's going and how to handle it mm-hmm. and maybe sometimes the problem is we're not listening to our intuition right yes. we're listening to our rational mind
0: that's right because people really do show us who they are and there are signs there of what direction that relationship is really going to go Right. and we, but we don't listen oftentimes we don't want to
2: right who are some of your favorite authors who are some of the writers that have inspired you or that you <laughs> hope to um, to Oh my, there are so many.
0: Um, one in particular, though, I happen to love Sue Monk and her writing. And I had just read *The Secret Life of Bees*, um, one of her books, before I had this dream from my sister of my sister that inspired *The Girl Who Could Read Hearts*, and I was very enthralled with it. And it's—it seemed the comparison of reading that made um the nonfiction book i was at that time trying to write seemed dull so dull <laughs> and i was we've all been there i was in i kept hearing in my head pass the passion please <laughs> i was seeing this book title with these steaming bowls yes. you know like please pass me some passion <laughs> and maybe that's a book yes that i'll write one day yes. so yes, yes. yes, yes, yes.
2: What's kind of the worst uh, aspect of being an intuitive person? I mean, you're here at BookCon, you're signing books, you have national reputation, international for all. I know you're just doing a tremendously fulfilling, life-satisfying job. Tell us the ugly, dirty... Unhappy. You're
1: going there, Diane.
2: I'm going. are going there. Okay.
1: <laughs> I'm enjoying the light We're yes. going. Let's go. Okay.
0: Well, I do see people hurting, and that's painful to see how much pain there is in people. And um, most of the time, people do a pretty good job masking it. But oftentimes, I really sense that and see it. Um, the other thing is. Um, on the negative side is knowing when people, perhaps their end of their life is coming up. And that can be quite um, unnerving. And yet, what I've learned, because I'm the youngest of nine children, and so I've had to say, okay, God, I can, I can handle this. I, you know, you hope that life has its natural order. Um, but it's, it's been painful to, to know when parents or siblings or um, like my husband's parents to know when they will pass and sometimes it's before they're even ill i know or i have a dream about that and so what i've decided to do is to let's go back to marina's side to make that light <laughs> is that i say thank you god for preparing me
1: right. um, that's a good way to look at it Great look at well,
2: them. and to go back to the happy side, <laughs> I would happy think really, <laughs> I know, <laughs> we're getting so contentious. Um, no, but I, I think that it must be wonderful to have looked past death. I mean, people are afraid of death, and I would think that maybe there's something that makes um, contact with life after death uh a reassuring experience because you're not thinking, well, I'm looking into this existential void and when I die. You're aware of something larger. Is that correct? Oh yes.
0: Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. I don't just believe there's an afterlife. I know there is. I, I know. And that's important. <laughs> is mine gonna be good? <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. Hers is gonna be funny and very entertaining. You see
1: and you see that—that is proof that she is so intuitive. Because I spend a lot of time with Diane, and I almost always mention her humor because it's yes. true. She's yes. amazing.
2: Well, listen, we're getting—we're um, getting on to and, up and up on and you. on. I just want to give you a moment to think if there is something that we haven't talked about that you think is important to talk about, maybe. Um, because you know what your own readers are interested in or because there's something you would like to put out there for potential readers to know? I think that everyone has a soul, and when we're connected
0: to our soul, our spirit, our intuition speaks to us uh, more strongly, and life isn't lackluster, it can be um, so much more dynamic when we're connected in that way to our our spirit and so to me the intuition is living a soul connected life well let's talk let's talk
1: about the soul connection for a moment I don't want to let that go Mm -hmm. because I want to be clear about what that means for Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. it may not mean the same thing to everyone but I want to know what it means to you to be
0: soul connected okay to me it is there's a bigger part of me what Diane was saying being connected to something um, bigger you know it's a belief
1: I know, in essence, um, of,
0: it's yes, beliefs. it's a belief. It could, could be a belief, but for me, it's more of a knowing and an experience. Um, I can experience my myself being connected. Some people call it the higher self. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some people it's just God. Some people it's um, a particular doctrine or whatever. But for me, it's way beyond religion. It's really about your your inner spirit that. You have a purpose, you have things to do in this life, and are you on track or off track?
1: I love that. I love that. And I, I can get that. I, that resonates with me. So the last thing before we end, we ask everyone that we mm-hmm. interview, mm-hmm. if you were upstairs in a room that they do have available, <laughs> filled with first-time authors who have never written anything like what you have written, <coughs> what would be your words of wisdom about how to approach the project,
0: and actually complete it. Just write. No, no, you can't <laughs> write get away it. with just write. No, write give, me more, no give me more, give me more. You have to write it. <laughs> give me more. Also Yes, give me more. Once you're once you start writing, it takes on a life of its own. And the characters take on a life of their own. Or even if it's nonfiction and there's not characters, it takes on a life of its own. And and here again, it maybe you could call it intuition, but This could also be the brain, your mind works on things. And you're gonna have those little moments of inspiration where maybe a phrase comes to you, an idea, um, and you may think, oh, I'll remember that. But guess what? Life takes over and you don't remember it. So it's so easy with phones today to take notes. Take a minute and stop right then and write that down because you may have such a brilliant idea And or just the way you put words together, a phrase or or something to happen to a character and so trust that and take that time and write it down right then. Okay. And then you can put that into into your book and your writing.
1: I love that. Okay, so before we wrap up, we're going to let everyone know where to get your books. More about where they can find out more about you. And the last thing you want to tell people is you are a dark frog books. Uh, author, which means you are in bookstores now, and Mm -hmm. I have had the pleasure to know Mm -hmm. that your books are being sold, Mm -hmm. right? I've gotten the report. Yes. Congratulations to you. Thank you. That is a very good sign. Mm -hmm. Um, So, tell us whatever you'd like to tell us about where to find you, your books, and more about your experience.
0: Okay. I think the other thing I would add is that uh, The Girl Who Could Read Hearts has now won 14 awards, and we're very excited by that. And it can be found in my other book, uh, Casual Power, can also be found on Amazon and certainly through Dark Frog and um, bookstores everywhere. Can you spell your name for the audience? Yes, it's Masonove, M-A-Y-S-O-N-A-V-E. And it's Sherry,
1: S-H-E-R-R-Y, SherryMasonove.com, and
0: everywhere books are sold. THE GIRL WHO COULD READ HEARTS CHAPTER ONE High in the hills of Berkeley, California, the omen hung in the stillness of the late afternoon air like a full moon yet to rise. Seeking refuge, Kate Kendrick huddled in the branches of the walnut tree, flanking the driveway of the two-story brick home at 537 Spruce Street. Kate, a six-year-old who was clueless about the rare seventh sense, with which she was gifted. The ability to read human hearts coupled with keen intuition felt squirny in her skin. She sniffed at the air, her nose scrunching into a wrinkle. An odd scent seeped into her pores.
2: That's all for today. Thank you for listening. If you liked today's episode, please leave us a review. It'll help us keep bringing you great
1: content. For show notes, upcoming events, and to participate in the Brooklyn Writers Project
2: community, head on over to our website at www.brooklynwritersproject.com. Questions or comments? Send them to contact at lifelinespodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. Lifelines, the books podcast has been
1: brought to you by the Brooklyn Writers Project. Music for this podcast has been provided by Anthony Nuda of Noble Sense Productions.